Hello, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Dropping the Plum Line. My name is Stacy Mueller, and it is May 10th, 2022. And I really have been trying to do this podcast for the last uh, 10 days. And, you know, so many th- different things happened uh, that prevented me from finishing up or getting it recorded properly. And so I had to put it aside. And I knew that there was a reason that God was prohibiting me from getting this thing out. Well, I found out last night why, because the Lord kind of woke me up and kind of gave me the missing pieces of the puzzle. And I want to share them with you. So I, uh, when I was originally getting this podcast out, it was on April 30th, and it was the day before we entered into the second month of the Hebrew covenant calendar known as Ayar. And Ayar actually means reflected light. This month is a month that is associated with the tribe of Issachar. Issachar was the tribe that understood the signs and times. It, they, uh, they were able to help navigate the family of God, give that intel to the tribe of Judah, who had the apostolic anointing to move the family of God out, and then also to use that intel to help the tribe of Zebulon, who was the one that had so many rich resources to be able to offer on helping the family move out and the things they needed to do. So these three tribes were located on the eastern side of the um, tabernacle, and they worked as a, you know, a unit. And those three giftings that came together were able to really be used by God as a blueprint and a template to show us how we go forward in the spring season to sow seeds into the kingdom of God that will produce a harvest and fruit um, in the the harvest season. So um, this podcast, I want to share with you some of the scrolls, some of the things that God has released uh, to me. And uh, so hold on, and um, you might want to even get your pen and your paper because um, this message is for the remnant. So I want to take time in this podcast to share a little bit about my prophetic intercession that I've done over the last 24 years, and it will give a background understanding to what God is revealing and doing through his remnant right now. I want to identify that remnant and call them by name, and I'm going to call them the Joseph Company. And I believe that there's many Joseph companies that are forming right now, and and they're going to be raised um, to be God's solution um, through the transition that the world is going through right now. We're at the end of the church age. We're about ready to cross over into the millennium. And the Joseph Company is going to be the key in God's hand to help us bridge and get through the, that transition. So when I got saved in 1993, my first church was a Pentecostal church. And that's really where I began to learn how to pray and and understand intercession and the gifts of the Spirit. I joined the prayer team at church. And not long afterwards, God would send me out on journeys in the city to pray for people like in the grocery stores and the parking lot. And it was a really uh, awesome training with listening to the Lord's voice and following and being obedient to what he was showing me to do and kind of getting over the fear of man of going up to somebody you don't know and uh, telling them you have a word from God or, you know, you want to pray for them, all that kind of stuff. And I had to really learn how to um, gain God's wisdom on how to bridge that gap on how to approach people with something that God I wanted to do with and share with them. Anyways, so afterwards, God started to bring me to specific places um, to pray for his purpose to release in the land. And there was something about my feet walking on the land and standing there on the ground as I as 
because the Lord was directing me to pray and prophesy that was really important to God because it just was so energizing to me. And I knew in my spirit that God was doing something, even though I walked away from the land and the land was still doing what it was doing before I even got there. So anyways, I started, you know, at first just bringing my Bible, declaring, declaring scriptures as the Lord led, letting the prophetic, you know, words come out of me. And then later I started bringing oil. I started blessing and sealing the land as well. And as time passed, the prophetic prayer journey included all these kind of crazy things that God instructed me to do, which included um, bringing water and to cleanse the land and, and heal it, and then using salt to preserve and reserve the land for God's covenant promise of what we know as the uh, stone kingdom that God's rising up right now through the body of Christ to govern the earth at his set time. And additionally, sometimes the Lord would um, ask me to purchase the land prophetically back for his use. So I would bury quarters, and I, I usually did two because that was representative of 50 cents, the number for Jubilee. And I really didn't understand a lot of it in my head knowledge, but I understood in my spirit. I was just following uh, and being obedient to God. Then God really brought me to Jeremiah 32, which I want to read to you to help me understand some of this prophetic intercession that I was doing in the land. And uh, in Jeremiah 32, Jeremiah was imprisoned um, by um, the king of Judah at that time because he was prophesying and declaring that um, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon was about ready to come in and to uh, destroy Jerusalem and to take them all captive. And nobody liked that message, especially the king. And so Jeremiah was um, imprisoned. And while he was in prison, um, this is what I want um, to read to you. Uh, God gave him a word and it starts in 32 verse 6. And Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle will come to you saying, buy my field, which is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Now, Anathoth means uh, uh, prayers answered. And the right of redemption that Jeremiah had is because he was a son of the mo- of God of the Most High who was being obedient and uh, being used uh, to do what was right before the Lord. And so was, God was going to use that obedience to help further his kingdom purposes down the road through um, Jeremiah buying this deed. Verse 8. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said, Please buy my field that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption yours. Buy it for yourself. And then I knew this was a word of the Lord. So for everyone, when God speaks to you, he always confirms, he brings a witness to the word that he speaks to you. And this is what was transpiring even with Jeremiah at this time when his uncle told him to go ahead and buy the land. Now, the land was actually in uh, the country of Benjamin, who was the youngest tribe of the sons of Jacob. Benjamin means son of God's right hand. And God was going to use all of the Benjamites to be his disciples later on um, to assist Jesus in uh you know, bringing the gospel forward. Now, uh, I'll just continue. So I brought the field from Hanamel, 
uh, the son of my uncle, who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. 17 is actually the number of victory. Silver is symbolic of redemption. And I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses, and weighed the money on the scales. So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. I gave the purchase deed to Barak in the presence of witnesses who signed the purchase deed. And then I charged Barak before them, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, take these deeds, both this purchase deed, which is sealed, and this deed, which is open, and put them in the earthen vessel, that they may last for many days. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So what God was speaking to me in these scriptures is that Jeremiah knew that God was going to raise up Nebuchadnezzar and uh, remove his people because the king wasn't listening and the judgment was coming. And so Jeremiah knew, having purchased this land, he wouldn't be able to enjoy the land because he was going to be displaced as well. Now, Jeremiah, we know as we study scriptures, ended up taking the king's daughters, the princesses, and with him to Egypt and then off to Ireland. So he purchased this deed, but he didn't get to live in this land. So God started speaking to me about that. And he says, he said to Jeremiah, this is your inheritance. You and I, as sons of God, We have an inheritance that God has promised for us to govern and rule over the earth in the millennium. And God is going to give us that responsibility when we're uh, underneath his headship, understand what he wants to do in bringing restoration in the earth. And the earth is crying out for the sons of God to rise up and to, you know, to go forth because the earth itself needs to be healed and and brought into restoration. And so what Jeremiah did in his obedience is he purchased that deed for the Lord's use to further the covenant promise of the Abrahamic covenant um, that had been promised years ago, but uh, needed to con- continue after Jeremiah. And so after the uh, tri- or the, the remnant was brought to Babylon for 70 years, God brought them back to rebuild Jerusalem. And he used this peg and this land as a resource to um, open up the covenant promises and to establish the work for what he needed to do ahead. I love that, grasp that idea because understanding that gave me understanding of why God was having me go to all these different places and bury quarters for the king's use when he returns. And, you know, just to pray and decree and declare it and to ask the Lord to heal the land and to take his word then and to rise up from his word, the tree of life that would bear much fruit in the earth. So these land deeds that um, come into alignment with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, God can work with those deeds and then pour out his um, resources for the, the goodness of God to be displayed in the earth. And we know that God is coming back to do so. And so I'm going to just call a lot of these lands that God is having us um, purchase and pray into, and even nations, right, in America, praying into her destiny God is going to use that as a peg to further his kingdom cause in the millennium. And there's land that God has assigned to be like refuges or lands of Goshen uh, through the troubled times uh, and through the transition until we see the manifestation of all that goodness. 
Okay, I had to set that up because in 1998, I was asked by this Christian couple um, who had a really big vision of building a satellite uh, communications network for Christians, and it was called Exodus, and it was going to include film and television and radio, and they asked me to come on board and to be a part of their intercessory team, and I was paid to pray, and they lived in Rancho Santa Fe, and so I moved down to San Diego, and and joined this intercessory team to pray for their vision. But what ended up happening is that God was really uh, calling me there to start praying into the remnant and his purpose and the land that God had for really the time that we're living in right now. So as a member of the intercessory team, we would pray about eight hours a day, sometimes 24-7 when we were fasting. We would walk the lands because the company owners wanted us not to just pray for the vision, but pray for the city and the state and the nation. And so we would walk the land. Now, Rancho Santa Fe actually means home of the saints of faith. And the main roadway to come into the city from the mountains and the lake is called Del Dios, Highway of God. And the main road going out of the city and toward the ocean is named Cielo or Linea de Cielo, which means line to heaven, which is the plumb line. And a street that I often prayed on was called El Fuego, which means the fire. There was other street landmarks actually, you know, like Elijah and Montevideo, which was actually one of my uh, grandmother's hometown. And, you know, like there was just so much of the landmarks and the land that spoke to me. But where my heart was really drawn to was in the center of the city. And the center of the city was actually called the Covenant. And in there lied love. Uh, was a beautiful inn to gather and rest in God's abundance with these amazing grounds and these flowers and many weddings actually are held there. And so I kept seeing Rancho Santa Fe as this land of Goshen, preserved for the Lord's Josephs, the, the remnant to govern and to meet and to take refuge. And I saw the remnant hidden there while God provided for them and made a way of escape from some of the systems that would, um, you know, rise up and enslave God's people. And then there would come a time that the Lord would shake those systems and they will, would crumble under his, under his authority. And God wanted to preserve his people through the transition. And I saw Rancho Santa Fe as kind of this blueprint layout of the land that God had stored up um, for that covenant purpose. And so um, it gave me instruction and understanding of how to pray for the remnant um, up ahead. Now, remember, this was in 1990. 24 years ago. Now in Rancho Santa Fe, when I was praying, I kept seeing hidden underneath the earth, all these rich resources that were going to come up and spring up uh, when it was God's time um, so that the people of God had them for what, what they had to um, go through. And and actually, there was a place in Rancho Santa Fe called the Hidden Garden. And so I just was like, whoa, God, all you're talking to me about right now is Joseph. It was like Joseph, Joseph just kept coming into my mind and my heart all the time. 
Um, well, further down the road, there was other places of refuge, I'm going to call, or the lands of Goshen, that I ended up praying for. And one in particular was in the land of San Pasquale, which means Holy Passover. And there was this Seventh-day um, Academy that was for sale. They had 300 square foot um, acres. And the owner of my company caught the vision of my heart and wanted to uh, provide a place for God's remnant down the road to be equipped and trained and supported where they could gather the and um, those resources, uh, both spiritually and naturally, and rest so that they could go back out on the front lines. And so he was like um, totally into the idea of taking his vision and incorporating it with this ministry um, mindset and then use the land for that purpose. And so we were um, quite often were, were, uh, gained access to pray on this land. And so the land, you know, had everything that you can imagine. It had orange groves, a fire station, its own water resources, a school, 26 homes, a church. Um, it just, you know, there wasn't the farm, uh, a fire station. I think I might have said that, but it just had everything. It was very self-contained. And one day we were um, given the keys to the church and we went inside and we went, I went up on the stage and I just started praying and just uh, worshiping the Lord. And then all of a sudden the power of God just came upon me and I just started prophesying. And as I was prophesying, it was so loud. I felt like my feet were up, lifted off the ground like two feet and that the people in China could hear me. It was so loud. And what God was booming out of me was the sound to all of God's generals, these Josephs that God was raising up for the end, um, to hear that sound and to come to San Diego to hear the mysteries of God, to understand the truth of what God was doing in the hour at hand, to gather that intel, gather the resources to connect with other generals so that they were equipped to be a fortified army and then to be go to go back out into the place that God had positioned them with that strength and that intel. And so I was like just moved by what God showed me. Well, that took me actually to uh, another place of refuge, which was the Del Coronado Hotel. And I saw from San Pasquale, I saw this rainbow um, and and like the end of the rainbow in San Pasquale, Holy Passover. And then I saw the end of the rainbow go to the De to Coronado Island. Now, Coronado means crowned one. And there's a hotel there that's called the Del Coronado Hotel. It's an amazing resort and it's very historic. And they actually have this room called the Crown. And it kind of looks like you're inside of Noah's Ark when you're in there. And I prayed a lot into this hotel because I saw those generals, um, in the Josephs, right, of the hour coming and uh, landing there uh, from the airport and then being driven over to the hotel to gather for secret meetings, like hidden underground meetings that nobody really knew what was going on. It wasn't in the newspapers. This was something that God was doing um, privately um, through these generals to get the intel, and then they would, you know, disperse from there. And so, of course, you know, God had me bury quarters there and pray over there. And, 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 and this was just two of many places that God started revealing to me these hidden places, these refuges that would be used for the latter days to help preserve God's people. 
So as you can see, just briefly sharing right now, Joseph was like the theme of everything I was seeing and everything I was praying into. If you go to Genesis 37, this is where you really kind of start uh, discovering the story of Joseph. Uh, He was one of the sons of Jacob. And there's 12 chapters that are actually devoted to sharing the story of what God did through him and the family. And so we should take notice because I think God is um, giving us a blueprint that'll help us to understand how to navigate through what we're going through right now. Now, it says in verse two that this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and his brothers were jealous of him. Now, God gives us this detail that he's 17 years old. 17, remember, is the number of victory, and it was the same amount that uh, Jeremiah purchased the deed. Remember, I just read that in Jeremiah 32. So when we see that similarity, we have to take notice and go, huh, okay. And so anyway, so the brothers were really jealous and because Joseph um, seemed to have favor with Jacob. And the reason why he did is because God showed his dad that Joseph would be the one to carry the Abrahamic torch forward from him. And so there's a synergy there. And, you know, it's kind of like when you meet people... Um, that have the you know same vision and they they're they're of your tribe and they're you know going forward in the things of God and you connect with them on a deeper level and this is what was going on with Jacob and Joseph and so Joseph was given this coat of many colors now that coat of many colors represented the the birthright or the you know carrying the torch forward and the brothers were so jealous and envious they wanted to kill him and so they started scheming as Joseph was rising up in the gifting um, that God had given him. And one of those giftings was uh, in dreams and interpretation of dreams. And he kind of shared, you know, what God had showed him that he would be, you know, helping the family down the road, but he would be kind of the one in charge. And they did not like that because he, actually he was one of the younger brothers. And you know what that's like in the family. And so Joseph's story, actually, I'm going to stop right here, is very indicative of what God has been doing with this remnant this Joseph company, where some of the church leaders just were jealous of what God had placed upon them. And they, the remnant company could not fit into that church structure. They just, they just kept rubbing against it. There was a schism there. God allowed them to come into the church, to understand the church, and to take some of the wheat from the church structure. But they, he didn't let them sit there or stay or, you know, meld in there. God took most of the remnant that God's raising up right now out of that structure and started depositing his um, mysteries and his truth and revelation. And and it was going to be outside of some of the tears that the church structure had kind of adopted um, throughout, you know, the church age. So getting back to that coat of many colors, it really symbolized the sons of Jacob because each one of them had a gemstone that was on the breastplate of the high priest. And all of those um, gems are actually recorded as, you know, being described as the new Jerusalem in Revelation. Um, It represented also, you know, the rainbow because God promised us, you know, these promises and never to destroy the earth through the Noahic covenant. And God was going to use the Joseph company actually to 
to help bring restoration in the earth. And so we read in Revelations 19, 13, the scriptures that say Jesus returns clothed with a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. Now, Joseph's coat was also dipped in blood, torn into pieces with the, when the brothers faked his death and they sold him. And then they told the, the you know, Jacob that he was dead. His dad was mourning. And so Jesus comes back in the end, obviously with the Joseph torch in his hand. And he has the white robe because everything has been cleansed and, you know, everything is pure in him. And he wants to restore his authority in the earth and to multiply this stone kingdom to bring restoration and redemption. And so this is so exciting. So the Josephs of the hour are then learning how to, you know, carry that robe over their shoulders, understanding the family of God, all the different giftings, all the different, you know, ways that God brings resources in and out to feed his family and to help, you know, bring his goodness in the earth. And so there is not a mistake that we find Jesus coming back with that uh, robe dipped uh, in blood. So most of us know the story about Joseph and how his brothers sold him to the Midianites and then he was taken to Pharaoh and he was enslaved and then wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife that landed him in prison for 12 years. The last two years were the hardest for him. Now 12 is the number of government and God was going to raise him from the pit to the palace and govern all of Pharaoh's um, you know, affairs once he took him out of that place. And so you and I are being preserved and and. And challenged right now to really lean and glean on God's voice so that we're ready when the, when the time comes to enact the plan that God has. Now, Joseph was given the mysteries of God. He was given the wisdom and the strategy. That's why Pharaoh entrusted him. And Pharaoh actually called him Zaph. Zaphnath Panea, which means the one in whom the mysteries are revealed. This is a part of the Joseph anointing that God reveals to them the hidden mysteries that have been kept and blinded um, over the people until it's God's time to release it. And so the Josephs are receiving a lot of this intel right now, and they're being separated to walk in that truth and to walk in the way and the wisdom that God is giving them to help through this transition. So God put him in that role primarily to help, of course, all of the people, but, um, you know, but primarily the family of God, because God made a promise to Abraham. So one of the keys that really speaks loudly to me about the story of Joseph in this juncture, when the family of God, Jacob and his sons came crying out to Joseph and saying, please, we need food. We're, we're starving, right? And then Joseph recognizes the family and he actually even has tears because he has missed them. He's been separated from them. He's missed out on all the family, you know, business, right? And, you know, these were the ones that tried to kill him and betray him. And yet he had to extend a hand of grace. He had to forgive them. He had to be used to heal that breach and to help them and then bring them into a land that they would be preserved and protected um, through the favor that God had given um, him with Pharaoh. Now that takes a lot of forgiveness and humility that God is really starting to rise up inside of us as our part of our DNA. We have to look at all the evil that's going around us right now and the people that are, you know, being caught up in this evil and might even be hurting us, even our family 
family members who are going against us because they believe in some of of what has been you know the falsehood and the narrative that's out there and the and the you know let's I'll just talk about even the vaccines and how they're hurting a lot of people um, and some people will stand by that cause and it's caused a rip and a division in many families as well and we have to be ready when the family comes calling and crying and they're in time of need that we don't resist them and we don't reject them but we accept them we pray for them we um, forgive them and then we ask God how can I be used to help them uh, into a better place so it says in Genesis 47 and 15 that so when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said give us bread for why should we die in your presence for the money has failed so God not only used him to help save and preserve his family but also all the families in Egypt and so you know really Joseph became the hero of the day and if you read you know historical accounts the land um, throughout you know after the famine really rested in peace because Joseph was still in charge he was a governor and all respected how God used him to help the, um, everyone get through that hard time. Now, Jeremiah fifty-one twenty declares, you are my battle axe and weapons of war for with you, I will break the nations in pieces. And with you, I will destroy kingdoms. And God is raising up Joseph's, uh, the Joseph company in the hour to bridge through this transition to help, you know, the, the people of God, when the famine comes and when some of these systems are destroyed, because God is going to destroy them, that they are going to be able to use what God has given them to help feed and shepherd God's people. So, you know, as I kept praying in 1998, I just kept seeing more about Joseph. And then I saw these Joseph banks. And then I saw Joseph bank and then Satan's bank. Now, Joseph's name means to add to. And so the Joseph bank, you know, God was adding and multiplying and blessing his people that were sowing seeds into that bank. And then there was Satan's bank that you sowed the seed into. And all of a sudden, the seed got crushed by, tag, by you know, uh, fees and use and there was just this enslavement that came on the bank um, system and the seed dried up. And so there was this, you know, dichotomy of two different banks. And so I just kept pressing in and praying into this Joseph bank. And these banks looked different. You know, it wasn't like the normal bank that we see where it's just filled with, you know, money, but it had different kinds of grains. You know, Joseph actually built a, a bin and storehouses in there. It's actually, there's historical accounts that you can go and you can see how he used the wisdom to, um, you know, build these um, storehouses of grain um, in the earth. And so I see that. I see all these different kinds of grain or different kinds of, um, you know, wheat or provision that God has. And each one of the Josephs has one of the pieces of grain in their hand to build these storehouses. And I saw Leviticus, uh, the, the laws of Jubilee, attached or over these Joseph banks. And so I kept praying into that and knowing that this there would be a time up ahead that God would raise up those Joseph banks and we're in that time. So this is why I'm spending this time sharing with you a little bit about this intercession that I did in 1998. Um, it's interesting. I'm going to close with this um, and then you'll um, please listen to my next podcast because I'm going to continue sharing more of what God's doing right now. 
now with the Joseph company. But I want to end with this. You know, it's interesting that Joseph in Genesis was not our only example of God raising up a Joseph for the transition of the hour to perfect God's covenant promise. God used Joseph and Mary, um, who Mary who birthed Jesus. That Joseph was used to help cover Mary and to help help her through her birth um, and through after Jesus um, was born to put um, bring Mary to a place of safety when the, the edict of Herod came forth. So he brought Mary safely to Egypt. They stayed there until the angel came and said, you can go back. Now, Joseph was instrumental for causing uh, this all this to happen and to, for Jesus to stay safe. Well, it doesn't just stop there because after Jesus died, and he was resurrected. Uh, We read a lot about the story of Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea was Jesus's great uncle. And he was used actually to help uh, Mary raise Jesus because Joseph died um, quite young uh, when Jesus was young. And so Joseph was used through the transition of the church birthing out of the gate when um, the Lord uh, released the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then they were you know, empowered to go out and share the good news. Now, Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was also also a part of the Roman Senate, but more importantly, he was a rich tins trademan. And God had given him a lot of that wealth for this, for I think, for this reason uh, alone. And that was to use that position and that prestige and all that God had given him to help facilitate bringing the Christians out from underneath the oppression and persecution that was in Jerusalem and using those boats to help some of the Christians get out and bring them to the land that was not under Roman rule at that time, and that was the land of of Britain. And Joseph, when he went there, um, he had favor with the king and shared the good news about Jesus. And the king gave him a land, and I'm going to call it the land of Goshen at that hour, for them to build the first above ground church and for them to, you know, really it was a place of refuge and a gathering focal point for many of the disciples to come to rest to receive resources and intel, and then to go from there and to disperse and to go out into the world and share the news of Jesus. So in Genesis, God raised up Joseph in Pharaoh. And then during the time of Jesus's birth, God raised up Joseph to help father and watch over the the seed of Jesus coming as the son of man. And then later, God raised up Joseph of Arimathea to help build a nation to go forth and multiply into nations, Christian nations, to build the stone kingdom. And so that was the pebble. That was the stone that God used through those disciples, the Benjamites, right, Um, to go forth and to see what we see right now and then how we have still remained faithful to the Lord and his word has gone out after all the persecution that's gone out for the last 2000 years. And what continues to happen right now is a miracle in itself. So join me in my next podcast and I'm going to take it from March of 2011 when the call came for this Joseph company to step out. (music) 